Good morning and welcome to a Tuesday morning, September the 21st, I got it right, <laughs> edition of the Christian Underground News Network. Uh, we're delighted you joined us today. We have, um, uh, as usual, on Tuesdays, we have Dr. J.B. Hickson with us. Uh, uh, he, he is back home now in Colorado after, after a, uh, a Bible conference in uh, Wasilla, Alaska. Uh, Wasilla, is, is that the hometown of Sarah Palin? It is. In fact, we drove right past uh, her house. You know, it's uh, a lot different now than it was back when she was in the public uh, eye there running for vice president. I think she's uh, divorced her husband and they're having some family problems and it's a uh, different world for her now. But yeah, we, that's, that's where she's from. She used to say, or at least she was reported to say, she could see Russia from her house. I'm not sure that was true, but anyway. <laughs> well, my only concern is why she wasn't at the meeting, but uh, you know, she should have been there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> right there in town. What the heck is her yeah. problem? I would have loved to have her. I'll bet you, listen, she, you know, she, she would have learned something. I'll guarantee you. Uh, I, I'm sorry I couldn't have been there. But uh, what we're talking about today, since you're back, and, and we're lucky enough to have you for, for this hour again. Um, we've discussed this, and it's, it's going to be a, um, a, a preview of the coming of Christ's coming kingdom, is it not? Yes, it is. You know, um, okay. I, I was uh, on the road this morning. I had to go to a men's meeting and early breakfast, and I was listening to an old uh, Christian song called Another Time and Another Place, and it just reminded me of how many good, beautiful, glorious things uh, are in store for those who know the Lord. And uh, one, of, one of those is the coming kingdom. And we are so, uh, uh, you know, so privileged to have so much information in God's word in the Old and New Testaments alike uh, that right. pertains to that future kingdom. Um, but what I thought I'd do today is talk about, you know, why I believe in a future literal earthly kingdom uh, for our Lord. And before I do that, let me just mention a couple of uh, sort of programming notes or announcements, if you'll give me that privilege. Um, we, uh, we always enjoy being on Christian Underground News Network on Tuesdays because it's uh, the day right before our regular Wednesday night series at Plum Creek yeah. Chapel in uh, Sedalia, Colorado, a suburb of Denver. And many of you know, I've been going through what in the world is going on. And tomorrow night is our eighth uh, installment of that series. And it's going to be our last. I'm going to take a break after tomorrow night and move on to a different subject. But to wrap it up tomorrow night, you don't want to miss uh, that uh, presentation. Uh, it's uh, going to be called, of course, what in the world is going on part eight. But why all of this matters. That's why right. that's what I'm talking about. Why all of this matters. And I'll introduce that more tomorrow, tomorrow night as I kind of tell you why I feel like the Lord put that on my heart. But uh, then I'm going to move on after that. Uh, you know, Curtis, you and I have talked a lot about just the, the Luciferian conspiracy and uh, yeah. what, what all is going on with this uh, pandemic and other related world events. And I've studied this for 15 years almost now, written books about it and, and, and talked at conferences about it. And, you know, what I've learned through the years is I can only do that for so long at a time. 
before I really need to step back and take a break. It's it's a pretty heavy yeah. topic. And it is. It's so a very heavy topic. Last fall, I spent, uh, I don't know how many weeks, 18 weeks, I think it was, on Spirit of the Antichrist. Then I took a break. And then this summer, we've done what will be eight weeks on what in the world is going on. And, you know, I take a lot of flack sometimes from people that don't agree with the uh, conclusions that I think are pretty clear from Scripture and uh, and then uh, just the, the nature of the subject itself is pretty heavy. And uh, so I'm just at that point where I really feel like I need to kind of take a break for a few weeks. I'm sure we'll come back to that, especially with all that's going on in the world. So I'm sure sometime in the next uh, few months, if not sooner, we'll kick off another kind of look at the world and, cur and current events through the lens of Scripture. Uh, but you know, gonna... uh, before go you go any further, I, I'd like to interject and, and let our listeners know that if they if they have not seen uh, part seven, which you just did last Wednesday, uh, let me tell you, you, you need to go and check that out. That was some great information put out, J.B. Thank you. Yeah, part seven was on secret societies and how right. uh, Satan likes to do things in secret. We spent quite a bit of time in the scriptures, the first 30 minutes or so, uh, mm -hmm. establishing the basis for Satan's M.O. in terms of keeping things secret. Uh, and working under cover of night, but then we did talk a lot about some some pretty major secret societies and how they play into this Luciferian agenda. Um, right. But yeah, all eight parts uh, for now are available for free at the Not By Works website. Just click on videos and then what in the world is going on in that section. You'll see all soon to be eight uh, parts of so seven parts now, but after tomorrow night, eight. And if you can join us uh, tomorrow night, it's at six o'clock. Uh, mountain time so if you're in the denver area come see us in person person we have a great crowd and a great time there in the building but then uh, it's also live stream so six o'clock mountain seven central eight eastern five pacific and for our friends up in alaska that's four o'clock alaska time tomorrow afternoon but six o'clock mountain time is the start time so just wanted to let your listeners know because they've been kind of following along uh, with us here at not by works ministries and uh, the series that i'm going to start after we finish up with what in the world is going on, is going to be entitled, How to Read and Understand the Bible. And it's uh, basically Bible study methods, as uh, you and Pastor Dick, I'm sure, are familiar with that topic. I've taught it uh, formally in academics for many, many years, and uh, but I'm going to try to kind of come at it from a layman's perspective and just uh, give you some really good instruction on how to rightly uh, handle the Word of God, how to correctly handle the Word of God. So that'll be a series we'll go on for several um, months, probably take us through the end of the year. Okay, that sounds great. That'll be good information. So for today on Christian Underground News Network, I was kind of inspired by the fact that uh, sometimes when I get uh, critical emails or uh, voicemails on our 1-800 number, uh, it's from people who don't believe in a literal future earthly kingdom. <clears throat> in the same way that a few weeks ago, uh, we talked about why I believe in the pre-tribulational rapture. I want to kind of talk about why I believe in a literal future kingdom for Israel. And so I just want to spend the remainder of our time kind of walking through the scriptures and then church history as well to okay. explain how we got to the point today 2,000 years into church history, where unfortunately, probably the majority of believers 
uh, don't believe in a literal earthly kingdom that is still to come. Uh, and that's because they've been under some bad teaching. And, and, uh, and I'll explain kind of how we got here. But uh, it all goes back to uh, Genesis uh, chapter 12 and a foundational covenant that we've talked about before on your program that we call the Abrahamic covenant. And this was an unconditional covenant. It was a guaranteed promise of God uh, where he said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. He said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now, recently on your program, we talked about uh, the role of Israel, modern day Israel, and how the nation of Israel is not in the land in belief, and they're not experiencing the covenant promises of God that were made to Abraham in this passage right. we just read. Um, so sometimes, you know, people misread Genesis 12, 1 through 3, as if it says, uh, the nation of Israel uh, is untouchable, it can do no wrong, that we must uh, support them no matter what they do. Um, and that certainly will be true when the King of Kings takes the throne someday and the kingdom promise is fully inaugurated. But mm -hmm. in this modern day, uh, Israel is not there in belief. Their leaders are not serving uh, Yahweh in truth, and they've not necessarily believed the gospel message. So sometimes they, like all world leaders, do uh, bad things. They do things that we would not support. Uh, so this isn't a blind promise that uh, Israel gets a pass and can do whatever they want. It's a promise that really sets the foundation for the future earthly kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, emanating from that foundational promise given to Abraham 2,000 years before Christ, we see... Uh, in, in time, as we march through the progress of revelation and scripture, the, mm -hmm. the, the elements of this covenant reiterated again and again through subsequent covenants. Uh, for example, a thousand years later, roughly speaking, uh, David was given a promise, and that promise mm -hmm. is in Second Samuel chapter 7. Mm -hmm. And just as we call the promise to Abraham the Abrahamic covenant, we call this promise the Davidic covenant uh, after right. David's name. And again, it's an unconditional covenant where God said in 2 Samuel 7, 12, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Now that's talking about uh, Solomon, David's son. Right. He, he says, he goes on to say though, in verse 16, that your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Now, that part of the promise to David has not been fulfilled because uh, Solomon, of course, is not still on the throne. Uh, and uh, in fact, David's seed is not on the throne uh, today. And so that's a promise that, that David's seed someday will rule for all of eternity on the throne. And we know when you come to the New Testament that that seed is Jesus Christ. He's the ultimate seed of Abraham, uh, yes. with a capital S. But if you read on in 2 Samuel chapter 7, 
uh, toward the end, you, you find these words. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. So there it is, the promise of a king, the promise of a kingdom, the promise of a throne and a temple. In Second Chronicles 21, verse 7, we read, yet the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant he had made with David, and since yeah. he had promised to give a lamp to him and to his sons forever, forever. Yeah. Yes. And then in Psalm 105, an anonymous psalmist uh, also uses the word promise when he says, for he remembered his holy promise and Abraham, his servant. And, uh, you know, he's recounting God's faithfulness to Israel through all generations. And he, he actually calls God's promise a holy promise, meaning set apart, one of a kind. And, you know, obviously only God can make a holy promise. So he's saying that you can count on this promise from Yahweh that was made uh, a, a thousand years earlier to Abraham from the time that this psalmist was, was writing. And then uh, we read on in Jeremiah, so now we're, you know, roughly 500 years later into the post-exilic uh, time period, uh, so roughly 500 B.C., let's say. Uh, Jerusalem was destroyed in 586 B.C., so this was sometime after that. And, you know, Jeremiah, the prophet says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of David. That's Jeremiah 33. 14. And notice at that point, it's still future. He says the, the days are coming when I will perform. So the kingdom yeah. still had not been inaugurated or brought to bear. Right. So the question then is when you get to the first century, you know, where is the promised kingdom? You know, what happened? Uh, you know, did God change his mind? Uh, did God, was God just kidding? Uh, was, were all of these promises meant to be taken spiritually and metaphorically, not literally? I mean, we could go through the Old Testament again and again and find very uh, literal uh, details about the coming kingdom. Uh, for yeah. example, the prophet Ezekiel, also around the time of Jeremiah, was prophesying and gave, what is it, nine chapters uh, describing the architecture and dimensions and details of the future temple from which the seed right. of David would reign. So, yes. uh, and we see other, we see the boundaries of the kingdom uh, delineated in the Old Testament. Uh, we see um, just again and again, these, these details that uh, everybody in their day understood as literal. In other words, when God told David, he would have a perpetual seed on the throne who would reign forever when he takes the throne you know how would david have understood that uh, david only knew of one kind of kingdom and one kind of king and one kind of of, of temple and that's mm -hmm. the literal temple when mm -hmm. god when david asked god to build the temple he wasn't asking for a spiritual thing or a nebulous subjective thing just conceived in his mind he was asking for brick and mortar Right. And, in, and indeed, Solomon built a brick and mortar, a temple, um, and uh, that was destroyed. And then, of course, we know uh, centuries later, Herod rebuilt that temple. It took him decades to rebuild it. And then, of course, that too was destroyed, as the Old Testament tells us it would be, 
And as Jesus himself said that it would be in Matthew 23, I think it is, when he said not one stone would be left upon another. And that happened in 70 AD when the Romans destroyed the temple. Um, but a future temple is coming. In fact, two future physical temples are coming. There's going to be one that's rebuilt uh, for the Antichrist to rule and reign in, in, at the hands of Satan over a tyrannical Luciferian government, the sort of the yep. fulfillment of all of this Luciferian conspiracy we've been talking about. But that temple will be destroyed. And then Ezekiel's temple, the one that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will reign in, will be built. So uh, all of this, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, points to a physical uh, temple. And, you know, as far as the notion that God changed his mind, as some people suggest, uh, you know, because they say that the church, when it was instituted in the first century after Christ came, uh, replaced Israel, they say, and yeah. that all of those physical promises were sort of set aside uh, or have been fulfilled uh, subjectively and spiritually in the church. Well, let's go back to Jeremiah 33. We read verse 14, but let's read down in verse 19, and let's see what Jeremiah had to say about the prospect of God changing his mind. In Jeremiah 33, verse 19, we read, And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that there will, be, will not be day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne. So let me ask you a question. Uh, did the sun rise there in uh, Illinois this morning? It did at approximately 6.15 this morning. Now, it, it's a little troubling that you know that exact time. Are you uh, one of those guys that gets up early? I'm one of those guys that pretty much stays up all night, JB, yeah. Well, I, uh, that's true, you do. You, you work the night shift, don't you? I, I, do. uh, yeah, I uh, was up early this morning, as I mentioned, and I can confirm uh, from an eyewitness account that the sun also rose here in Colorado. Wow. Uh, now, let me ask you another question, uh, and this is, might be a little harder, I don't know, but because uh, okay. you were working, but was, was there nighttime last night? I mean, was it, did the moon appear? Was it dark? Uh, actually, the, the moon did appear in, in a rather full status. Yeah. And it was kind of yellowish colored, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we saw the same thing, too, here in uh, where we are in Colorado. Uh, wow. uh, I'm assuming it's the same moon. Uh, day but, and uh, night, yeah. Like, yeah, wow. day and night. And uh, uh, our granddaughter loves uh, to, to look at the moon at night, and uh, she always likes to say, moon, moon, you know. And uh, so we were out after dark, and it was a very full moon almost. And so uh, what Jeremiah is saying is that, uh, in fact, if he goes on, we read verses uh, 19 through 21. If you look down to Jeremiah 31, 35, he says, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says yeah. the Lord, then the yeah. seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me uh, yeah. forever. So uh, obviously we are being somewhat uh, sarcastic, but it's pretty clear that as long as we have a sun, a moon, stars, day and night, 
uh, then God's covenant cannot be broken. So right. contrary to what a lot of well-intentioned and uh, you know, well-meaning people think or teach, uh, the promises to Israel of a literal future kingdom have not been set aside. God That's has correct. not changed his mind. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, you come to the New Testament, and uh, the writer of Hebrews um, says, when God made a promise to Abraham, this is Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 and 14, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. Now, mm -hmm. In English and in our common, you know, human humanness here, when when I say surely this or surely that, you know, sometimes the best of intentions get in the way or something problems get in the way, and we have to go back on our word. But when God says surely, uh, you can take it to the bank, and, and that's what you know God's word was uh, uh, saying there. So we have this uh, hope of a future literal earthly kingdom and it clearly was not figurative uh, we saw the the aspects of the land boundaries listed in genesis 15 uh, from the river egypt to the great river euphrates uh, you know the kenites the kenazites the katamite the hittites the perizzites the rephaim the amorites the canaanites the girgashites and the jebusites now you know when you're using a metaphor I just don't think you're going to use that many ites. <laughs> you're just yeah. going to use a general There's metaphor. A whole lot of ites in there. Yeah. You, yeah. You <laughs> I mean, if I was going to use a metaphor of, say, a butterfly, I would list eight or 10 scientific names and details and, and variations of butterflies. I would say something like, oh, this is like a butterfly. You know? Yeah. So, uh, no, he was speaking of literal regions of the world and regions of, of the ancient Near East literal rivers and boundaries and everybody reading genesis 15 the children of israel in the wilderness was god revealed the first five books of the old testament to them uh, as they read that they would have understood exactly what mm -hmm. god meant and he meant a literal kingdom with literal boundaries um, and so again going back to the promise to david you see references to a house a kingdom a throne how would David have understood that? He would have understood them in their physical sense. Yeah. Uh, now, if you fast forward to the first century, uh, or actually, you know, say around the winter of 5 BC into, you know, 4 BC, uh, at the time Jesus was born, uh, in that time frame, God made a promise to uh, uh or, or you know delivered the news about the coming birth of the messiah and he said in luke chapter one behold this is luke 131 to mary you behold you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name jesus and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david now listen to this and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, I don't know mm -hmm. if you noticed, but there were three key words in there, throne, house, and kingdom, yeah. just like David had heard a thousand years earlier. So That's right. a thousand years later, God is still promising those same three physical 
um, mm -hmm. aspects, a, a literal kingdom with boundaries, a literal throne inside a literal house or a temple. And so as we then fast forward to the beginning of Christ's ministry, you see John the Baptist, the forerunner, announcing repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right. And if you're a first century Jew hearing the word kingdom, the only context that you have, the only possible way you could understand that is as a literal kingdom. And, yeah. uh, you know, we skipped over a ton of prophecy in the Old Testament, but you, know, you can go to Daniel and see how Daniel promised that, you know, they would be, the Israelites would be under bondage to, you know, uh, Babylon and, and uh, Medo-Persia and Greece and uh, the Romans, but that someday they would have their kingdom when uh, the, you know, the, the, the kingdom that not built with hands, uh, what is that in, in uh, Daniel 2, the statue that uh, Daniel had dreamed up, remember, and then, or I mean that Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed of, and Daniel had to not only interpret the dream, but tell the mm -hmm. king what his dream was. Well, at the end of that, there's a you know, a stone not built with hands, a reference to the coming kingdom of Christ that would destroy all the others. So, right. I mean, we could, we could camp out for weeks in the Old Testament and see these promises, but the point is when you get to the first century and Christ begins his ministry, and both he and John the Baptist talk about the kingdom being at hand, how would the original context have understood it? They would have understood it as a literal uh, kingdom. And right. You know, uh, we we have to understand one of the principles of interpreting Scripture, and we'll we'll get into this in great detail in my new series that we're going to do. Uh, is you know, understanding it in its historical context. So we can't read back in two thousand years later this notion of a spiritualized metaphorical kingdom when the people who received that the, those words of Christ in real time would have only understood it as a literal kingdom. Right. So, so then you, you, know, you work your way through Christ's three and a half year ministry. And again and again and again, you see indications of a literal uh, kingdom. Um, mm -hmm. Remember, Jesus told the disciples that they would sit on 12 thrones mm -hmm. in the kingdom. That's right. Um, the uh, one of the disciples' mothers uh, asked if her son's she had two sons, if they could sit on either side of Christ in the kingdom. Yeah. Now, it makes no sense for her to ask that question if Jesus was teaching a figurative kingdom where he's going to be reigning in your hearts and not from a physical throne. Right. Um, you've got um, you know, all kinds of parables there at the end, just leading up to the final week of Christ's life, like the parable of the wedding feast that would make no sense if Jesus wasn't speaking of a literal kingdom. Or uh, Luke 19, the day before the triumphal entry, as he and his disciples uh, uh, were outside the gates of uh, Jerusalem, having been in Bethany and headed in for uh, the triumphal entry. Before that happened, Luke tells us under the inspiration of the Spirit in Luke 19, I think it's verse 11, that he says, quote, because they were near Jerusalem and they, the disciples, thought the kingdom would appear immediately. Jesus told them this parable. Well, then what was the parable? The parable was, we call it the parable of the minas. I call it the parable of delay. The parable was all about the fact that the kingdom was going to come indeed, 
but not immediately, that there was going to be a delay, that the king was going to go to a far country. He was going to leave his servants in charge, representing the church there, even though the church hadn't been established yet. That's what Jesus knew was going to come. And that when he comes back, then he'll inaugurate the kingdom and we will be rewarded based in the kingdom based on how we handled things while we waited. And so that, that whole parable and Jesus teaching and Luke's sort of giving us a glimpse at what was inside the minds of the disciples uh, would, makes no sense if we're not dealing with a literal uh, kingdom. And then, you know, the day before uh, the upper room experience, that intimate time uh, when Jesus spoke to his disciples, we read about this in John uh, 13 to 17, we call it the upper room discourse because Jesus has so much uh, truth to offer there in those waning moments before he was betrayed. But the day before that, uh, on the Mount of Olives, he gives the great teaching about his return. And once he had mentioned that the temple, Herod's temple, was going to be destroyed, the disciples, again, indicating a, that they understood a literal future earthly kingdom, became quite animated and were concerned because how can you have a kingdom without a temple? And so they said, Lord, well, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And then Jesus begins to explain to them how it's all going to happen. And he reiterates the events of the 70th week of Daniel, that final seven-year period that mm -hmm. correspond perfectly with uh, Revelation chapter six and the beginning of the seal judgments. And uh, by the way, Jesus in, the, in that message from atop the Mount of Olives also mentions Daniel by name and quotes him. Uh, mm -hmm. And Jesus begins to lay out all the details that the future Jews who are alive when Christ comes back can look for as they await his kingdom. Now, mm -hmm. why would he go into such great detail if the kingdom was not going to be literal, but, but only spiritual? And it makes no right. sense. Right. Um, and so, and Jesus repeatedly talks about he's coming back. You know, I, you know, the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That's correct. So then let's fast forward even more in time. And you get to, of course, the crucifixion, the resurrection. Mm -hmm. uh, he appears for 40 days to thousands of people. Then on the Mount of Ascension in Acts chapter 1. He is about to ascend to the right hand of the throne of the Father, what we call the throne in waiting. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not the, the king's throne yet. He's not fulfilling that role yet. Uh, Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, he is uh, immutable and omnipotent, and he is all things that God is. But he's not fulfilling all of his prophetic roles yet. You know, the four offices of Christ, prophet, priest, king, and judge, he came as prophet during his three and a half year ministry, speaking as God, the word of God. And then he is now serving as high priest, the once for all high priest at the right hand of God, interceding as our advocate on our behalf. He will come back as the king and take that office and rule for a thousand years during the millennial phase of the kingdom. But ultimately, he will be on the great white throne and serve as the judge. So prophet, priest, king, and judge, but he's not fulfilling the role of king today even though he is on a throne today but it's a heavenly throne at the right hand of god so right before he ascended to take that seat um, the disciples asked him in acts 1 6 lord will you at this time 
-hmm. restore the kingdom to Israel. Mm -hmm. So in other words, even after all of his earthly teaching and, 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 uh, and, and the cross and the resurrection, the disciples were still obsessed with a literal kingdom. Yep. And you know, that would have been the perfect time for Jesus to uh, dispel the, the mistaken notion that they had of a literal kingdom, if indeed it was wrong. Uh, yep. But he didn't do that. In fact, he did just the opposite. He once again, as he did time and again during his mm -hmm. earthly ministry, affirmed the reality of a future earthly kingdom. But when he said, hey, guys, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, uh, you know, just go back to Jerusalem uh, and, and wait for the promise of the Father, which, of course, is the Holy Spirit. Uh, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, basically, I'll come back when I'm going to come back. And, yeah. and so then in the progress of Revelation, we begin to see uh, time and again the uh, New Testament authors and in the epistles, uh, well, actually, first in Acts, you, you see Luke, the historian, record several examples of clearly the, the early church leaders expecting the return of Christ. Um, I'm thinking of uh, Acts chapter 3 and, and Peter, uh, you know, in, in one of his messages there when he talks about how times of refreshing shall come and the consolation of Israel and so forth. I think that's chapter three. Um, and so, but then you get to the epistles and, you know, once again, you see Paul, you know, reiterating and giving more details about how it's going to go down. You see Peter in second uh, Peter chapter three uh, yeah. saying, you know, Hey, look, scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Mm -hmm. So Peter actually says anyone who is rejecting the, no the notion of a literal return of Christ is a scoffer. Yeah. And because uh, he, Peter, believed in a literal return of Christ. And then he goes mm -hmm. on in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 to say, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. So right. he, his promise is going to be fulfilled. He's going to come back. He says in verse 13, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Amen. And, uh, and so what a great day that's going to be. And, uh, you know, Paul tells us in his first epistle, Galatians, that if you're Christ and you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, what promise? not just the promise of eternal life and a new relationship with Jesus Christ, but the promise of Abraham. Yeah. And what was that promise? That was a promise of land and seed and blessing and a future uh, earthly kingdom from over which Christ will rule in perfect peace and justice and righteousness. And, uh, you know, Paul in Ephesians chapter two talks about how Gentiles have been brought in. Notice what he says in verse 12, Ephesians chapter 2. At that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and what? Strangers from the covenants of promise. Mm -hmm. Now, we talked about the strength of that word promise in the Old Testament, and now here the New Testament writers are once again reiterating that it's a promise, and now mentioning that we're all part of that promise. Yeah. Uh, 
And he says, if you're not uh, a believer by faith, I remember earlier in chapter two, he had talked about, uh, for by grace are we saved through faith. Uh, and so if we're not, he says, then you have no hope without God in this world, Ephesians 2.12. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, there is a clear, unconditional, guaranteed promise of God that someday we are all going to sit in the kingdom with Christ. We have a lot more detail that comes out in the New Testament about what we will be doing there, reigning with Christ, co-reigning with him, serving, leading. Uh, but we're going to all be, those who know the Lord anyway, part of this future kingdom. Now, you know, on that note, I got a question for you, JB. Yeah. Um, are, do, you, do you figure uh, somebody like yourself coming back uh, with, with Christ to rule and reign, uh, are you going to be governor of Colorado? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, don't get me started on Colorado and our governorship. <laughs> you know, it just is a perfect example of the depravity of man and what a fallen world we live in where Satan is, yeah. is you know, the whole world is under the sway of Satan, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. just uh, a governor who can't even tell the difference between males and females. It's just unreal. There's a real need for the coming kingdom. There is. Well, and, you know, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because you know, that, that's really kind of the so what question. I mean, we can make the airtight case from scripture that there's a literal earthly future kingdom, but, you know, unfortunately these days, a lot of people have no appetite for doctrine. And so I, I like to try to make it real personal. Um, you know, if you think, as you look around you, that this is as good as it gets, that this is all there is, you know, um, you, you are really, uh, you, you got to be the most depressed person on the planet. Um, you know, it is, you know, Paul said, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most pitiable, most miserable. Right. miserable. So, you know, it is the promise of a coming kingdom uh, that keeps us uh, getting out of bed every morning. And, right. uh, you know, we look around the world here in Colorado, we have some of the most beautiful uh, country in the world. Uh, mountains and, and the Rocky Mountains and so forth. And, you know, I remind, and we are quite proud of it, you know, and I remind people all the time, as you look around at the beauty of the surrounding mountains, don't forget, that's this earth at its worst. I mean, yeah. that's this earth after yeah. the curse of sin, after the fall, that's know, right. after the flood, the judgment of the flood. Imagine how beautiful this earth must have been before the fall. Yeah. And, and it's going to return to that. Jesus yeah, is going to make yeah. all things new. And yeah. he's not going to just renovate uh, this earth. Uh, he's going to destroy this old earth under the curse of sin. Uh, right. Just like anybody who dies still under the wrath of God, having never placed their faith in Christ, is also going to be destroyed. But they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever in the lake of fire. In the same way, he's going to destroy this earth and recreate it. Um, and uh, we too, if you know the Lord Jesus, and it's a free gift, by the way, completely, utterly, totally free. Go back and listen to one of my uh, messages while I was in Alaska. I spoke at Alaska Bible College, and the title was uh, What is Free Grace? So it's from last week. If yeah. you just scroll back in time in our podcast on any of your favorite podcast providers, just search for Not by Works Ministries. But I talk about how it is utterly free. It has to be free. If it's not free, it's not grace. 
That's and, right. And Correct. if it's not grace, it's not free. And if it's not grace, it's you're in big trouble because you can't pay the price. That's um, right. So, you know, uh, I, I want to remind people that, you know, this prospect of future judgment, both of the earth and of those who've not availed themselves of Christ's payment, uh, isn't, you know, it's just a matter of uh, their own doing. You know, you, you can't blame God if you don't receive the free gift. He sent his son to die in our place on the cross. The penalty has been paid. And now all we have to do is simply receive it. And the way we receive it is by faith. That's uh, right. A physical gift is received using your hands. You reach out and grab it. Now it's in your possession. Mm -hmm. Well, the spiritual gift of new life in Christ uh, is received by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again for your sins. So yeah. uh, people need to understand that, uh, that sin is real, that they're, the punishment and consequence of sin is real, and sin separates us from a holy God. And uh, the only remedy uh, is to receive Christ's righteousness on our behalf. And yes. uh, if you die in unbelief, uh, you'll die in your sins, and you'll die... Uh, and spend eternity in a literal place of torment called hell, uh, something God warned us about. So uh, I hope that for believers who are listening, you know, this hope and promise of a literal future kingdom uh, really excites us and gives us motivation and is something that uh, we can look up and be watchful. Uh, for believers in this present age, what we're looking for is the return of Christ to meet him in the air, Amen. Uh, the blessed hope. Uh, the rapture is what the Bible calls it in First Thessalonians 4. But uh, shortly after that, after uh, several other prophecies are fulfilled, uh, we will come back with Christ and establish this long-awaited kingdom, and the covenant program of God will, will achieve full uh, inauguration. And what a great today that'll be. Now, Amen. if you're not a believer and you're listening to this, then it ought to motivate you to recognize, first of all, you're not promised tomorrow. Uh, life is but a vapor, and it can be gone in a second. Uh, so you have an urgency there to get right with God, and the only way to do that is by faith. We are justified freely by His grace, Romans, uh, Romans 3.24. So uh, we can have peace with God by faith, Romans 5.1. So you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ who died for your sins. He's the only one. You can't trust in your good works. You can't trust in your heritage or your religion or your baptism or anything else. You've got to trust in Jesus Christ alone. So, and then a third group that's listening to this that just pops into my mind that I, I hope uh, will take, uh, you know, have a, a good takeaway would be, you know, those believers who have a misunderstanding about the coming kingdom, and they have, uh, you know, heretofore rejected the notion of a literal earthly kingdom, mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that after you've heard me systematically walk through both time and history, uh, by the way, how did we get to the, the place, I, I said I would answer that question, where most people reject the notion of a literal kingdom? Mm. Well, <clears throat> after the Bible was written, if you can just imagine each succeeding generation, uh, you know, expecting the coming of Christ. And, you know, at first it was, you know, the children of those who walked and talked with Christ, and they're passing on uh, right. to their children. Hey, I, you know, I was, my grand, my father was with Christ. He heard him promise this kingdom. And, 
Right. And, uh, and, and then the, the grandchildren would say, well, I wasn't with him, but I know the writings. I've seen what he said. I've heard what he said. I've talked to people who were with him. And it just gets passed down from generation to generation. But eventually hope begins to wane. A natural discouragement sets in. And you've got Satan, of course, uh, at hard at work to blind men's hearts to the good news. And uh, the broadest sense, the good news is that Jesus Christ not only died for the sins of the world, but is going to make all things new someday. And uh, so over time, Satan begins to deceive people. And by the time you get 300 years or so after Christ, you've got, you know, Origen, uh, that church father who's known as the father of allegorical interpretation, and okay. Augustine, who wrote uh, the famous book City of God, in which he turns the kingdom into this earthly present reality. And of mm -hmm. course, you've got Roman Catholicism suggesting that the kingdom is now, and Peter was the first king, uh, and the popes okay. are in the kingly succession. And of course, during the Middle Ages and Dark Ages, you could not read the Bible. They didn't have copies of the Bible, and you were uh, actually persecuted if you were caught trying to read one. So oh, yeah. it's, it's not understandable that after you know 1,800 years, or let's say 1,600 years till the printing press and uh, the beginning of the proliferation of the common people having a Bible in their hands, uh, that you didn't see a lot of understanding about a future literal kingdom. But boy, as in God's timetable, as, as the word of God began to go forth and people began to have the Bibles and you reach the modern era uh, today for the last uh, two or 300 years, it has been a very prevalent teaching and accurately so because mm -hmm. it simply reads the Bible in its plain normal sense and arrives at a literal kingdom. So for those listening who, who've never given it a second thought because you've been misled by bad teaching, even though I'm not impugning the motives of those who teach it, uh, they probably mean well, they're just misinformed. Uh, I encourage you to go back to the word. And as I just did in this uh, interview, and let the Bible speak for itself and look forward uh, with great expectancy to that future kingdom. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I can tell you that I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, you know, listen, JB, I, I, I think you can relate to this. I mean, uh, like you mentioned before, we wake up every day uh, under that hope, you know, and uh, that's what keeps us going because as soon as you wake up and, and get your wits about you, you, know, you, you get a bowl of oatmeal and a cup of coffee, um, boy, what's going to hit you after that? It's not fun. It, it, it's, it's not fun to watch the news anymore. It's not, well, it's never been fun to watch the news, <laughs> but boy, it's a heck of a lot less fun now. So wow. yeah, the promise of the coming kingdom is even more precious every day. It really yeah, it, is. It, it is. And, you know, as you said, you know, you, you look around at what's going on. Uh, I think the verse I quoted a few sessions ago in my Wednesday night, what in the world is going on series was from Proverbs that, you know, confidence in an unfaithful man is like a bad tooth or a, a foot out of joint or something like that. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, you know, and, and that's kind of how we feel. It's like, we know there's gotta be something better. Uh, I mean, of course, uh, as Paul teaches, we're to be content and there is a certain joy of knowing the Lord and, and going through life with uh, being oh, yeah. a child of God. And, and we do have the right perspective and we try to find joy in the, the little things like, you know, grandchildren and, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys and other godly things. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, ultimately it would be depressing if, if we only could find 
you know, joy in those temporal things. We have to look beyond the here and the now. Absolutely. Which is what really makes uh, today's discussion uh, very prescient. And uh, I'm glad you chose this as a subject, JB. Thank you. Uh, some great information, man. You bet. And, uh, you bet. And just a reminder before yeah. we close, uh, you know, tomorrow night, tune in at six o'clock. You can go to notbyworks.org and watch the live stream there. Uh, if you're in Denver, come to Plum Creek Chapel. You can find us at plumcreekchapel.org, but we'd love to see you in person and uh, stay in touch, you know, sign up for our newsletter, email, reach out to me anytime if I can help. And I really appreciate uh, very much the uh, honor of being a part, a small part of Christian Underground uh, News Network and uh, really look forward to these Tuesdays. So do we, JB, and we, we appreciate you being a part. We, we feel greatly blessed that you that you agreed to be a part of this. And uh, I know our listeners really, really appreciate the segments. Uh, I see the feedback. Uh, I see the numbers pouring in. And uh, listen, it's, it's really an encouragement. So uh, again, thank you for, for being a part of this team. We, we feel like we've got the trifecta with uh, you and Pastor Dick and, and Lucas teaching. We're good. We're good. I don't, I'm not looking to add anybody else. Well, I tell you, I love Lucas, and I, uh, I just uh, feel I think it's great that you have him on there, too. We need more young men that have good, solid Bible teaching to come up, because if the Lord tarries is coming, you know, I don't know about you, Pastor Dick, but I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure how much longer I'm going to be around, and I want people to come after me to, to carry the torch, you know? Yeah, I do, too. Uh, I do, too. Um, on a personal note, if I may add, if we've got time, um, we have this past couple of days spoken with uh, June and Keith Stoller. Yes, on the telephone, and she they, called. huh? They called, and uh, we gave them uh, your uh, website address and our podcast address, and I believe they're going to, uh, I believe they're going to listen, and, and uh, so. Uh, I want, they wanted to shout out to you. Yeah, well, send them my greetings. I think they just lost a son, if I recall. We've been praying for them. Exactly. Um, That's exactly right. Yeah, and so uh, tell them I love them and miss them, and they can reach out anytime. And uh, and uh, so, yeah, I'm glad to hear from them. Okay, can I ask one more Bible question? Absolutely. All right. I was talking about a year and a half ago. Uh, to a man you might know, um, Jimmy D. Young. Yes, I know Jimmy. Yep. Yep. And uh, I, uh, I had a chance to, you know, about a 30 second chance to talk with him face to face. And with regard to the material that you gave today, um, Israel has to be in the land uh, before certain things happen. Do you believe that Ezekiel chapters 35 and following are all events that follow the rapture of the church. I do. Uh, I absolutely do. Now, I have good friends and colleagues that, uh, that do uh, take uh, you know, some of that as having already begun, like the Valley of Dry Bones and uh, so forth. Uh, they sort of point to you know, 1948 and, and the, the return there. Um, I just, I just don't agree. I respect them. And uh, obviously I could be wrong, but I feel like um, that the, the nature of the return that uh, will accompany the kingdom 
uh, and the preparation for the kingdom is going to be supernatural. Uh, yes. Jesus said he's going to send his angels to the four winds or four corners. I can't remember the exact phrase he uses, but it's going to be a supernatural uh, regathering. It doesn't mean that there won't already be some Jews coming back, especially during the first half of the tribulation when there's a time of relative peace as it relates to Israel anyway. Uh, they're going to maybe begin the journey back. And of course, some are, will already be there because of what has happened at this point. Yep. Um, but no, I, I, I really believe that all of those uh, passages will come together after the rapture and that what we see happening today is more of a setting of the stage. Well, that's right. okay, that's two of us in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established, okay? <laughs> well, I, I'm glad that uh, you agree with me and Jesus on that issue. That means a lot. <laughs> okay, very good. Thanks for asking, answering the question. I appreciate it. <laughs> you bet. My pleasure. All right. JB, thank you again for being with us for another hour on Tuesday. And uh, we, we assume that you're, you're planning on joining us again uh, next Tuesday. Uh, at least I hope so. Yep, planning on it for sure. Uh, the following right. week, I'll be on my way to Duluth for the annual Duluth Bible Conference. Um, but oh, I yeah. am hoping uh, we may take a break that week, but we'll talk about it. If I can do it from a hotel room or something, I may try, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But definitely next week, count me in. Sounds great, my brother. Sounds great. Okay, listen, you heard it, folks. Um, you know what to dial in this week. Uh, tomorrow night, you need to be uh, live streaming uh, JB's uh, presentation on why does all of this matter, which is the, the summation of the, the wrap-up of his ongoing series, uh, What in the World is Going On? And um, I've seen every episode of it, and i got to tell you something. If you haven't, you need to start at episode one and go through the whole shebang because uh, if you don't, you're going to be missing out on some very vital information. Great series, JB. I'm glad you decided to do it. Uh, it's been a blessing to me to listen to it. And, Amen. And I know that our listeners will be equally as blessed if they do. So tune in live stream tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Central Time. Is Mountain. that correct? 6 p.m. Mountain. 6 p.m. Mountain Time. That's right. 6 p.m. Mountain Time. And uh, you can listen to Part 8. Why does all of this matter? Uh, yeah, I think I think you're going to enjoy it. Until then, uh, actually, until Saturday morning, um, we will not be active and on the air, but we pray that you'll join us Saturday morning for our ongoing series on mysteries of the gospel with Pastor Dick. Yeah, we're going to talk about the mystery of the rapture. Yeah, the mystery of the rapture coming right up. Yeah, and and well, I'll tell you what. I hope tomorrow. Oh, today. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think we all do. So, JB, thanks once again. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for, for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by what you heard. And until we talk, uh, meet again with you Saturday, uh, we pray that God will bless and keep you. Uh, JB, thank you once again. We'll see you next Tuesday, my brother. All right. Thanks. Take care. All right. You too.